What's going on, everybody? Welcome to the first and foremost sports podcast with your host, the natural Jimmy Covington. And I am the one and only Quentin Douglas. And we're back at it again with episode 19. Quentin, how you doing, bro? Jimmy, I'm pretty good today, my guy. How you doing? Hey, I'm doing good, bro. Just, you know, getting stuff together to move out, my boy. Just, you know, chilling. Yes, sir. <laughs> Man, but listen, you know what I'm saying, let's go ahead and get started. You know, over the last last week or so, a lot has ha- has happened, and uh, including Saturday, uh, Jamal Adams, uh, one of the best safeties in the NFL, was traded along with a fourth-round pick to the Seattle Seahawks in exchange for Bradley McDougal, two first-round picks, and a third-round pick. So Quinn, does this make Seattle favorites in the NFC West? Look, before – I get to my answer because I already know what I feel like you're going to say. Oh, you know, I don't think there's any doubt that Jamal Adams is easily, at worst, a top three safety in the league. You know, dude's an undeniable playmaker all over the field. You know, he can rush the passer. Uh, you know, he can get after it in the run game. And I think he cemented that last year, you know, making first-team All-Pro. Uh I think the Jets, you know, after he demanded a trade and called out head coach Adam Gaze, I think they were pretty much put in a position to where they had to get rid of him to the highest bidder. Uh, And Seattle came calling. You know, Jamal Adams said Coach Gaze wasn't the right leader for the team. Uh, He said he didn't have a relationship with all the players. You know, he had favorites. And, you know, he even went and said, that, you know, when they had rough games or even their practices during the week, he wouldn't even address all the players, uh, you know. And he also, on top of that, you know, they promised to pay Jamal Adams this offseason. But, you know, clearly they didn't follow through with that. Uh, so, you know, things had just gotten sour between those two sides. Uh, which, before I get into the Seahawks, I will say, you know, the Jets didn't completely lose this trade. You know, they say, you know, the team that gets the best player always wins the trade. But, you know, on the flip side, the Jets were able to get, you know, two first-round picks. They got a third and a starting-level safety. Uh, And, you know, looking at last season, the Dolphins only got one first-rounder from Minka Fitzpatrick, who, in my opinion, was disrespected not getting the top-10 Madden rating this year. But that's another topic for another day. Oh, (laughs) but, you know, going on to Seattle now, I don't think this makes them the NFC West favorites. Um, You know, I'm going to start with, you know, a lot of people, you know, are tied up and calling Jamal Adams a strong safety or, you know, quote-unquote box safety. Uh, But I think you have to look. Football at this point, you know, it's pretty much all about versatility And it's almost, you know, trending towards how basketball is, where it's pretty much positionless. Uh, Like I said, you know, you can line him up in the box. Uh, He can play man coverage. He get after the passer. Like I said, he had, what, like five sacks last season, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I just felt, you know, that's not what Seattle needed as a team to put them over the top. You know, for years, Russell uh, Wilson has been running for his life with that patchwork offensive line they got. Not to mention they called themselves rebuilding it, but they haven't even had time to practice this offseason due to the COVID outbreak. 
then looking at their defensive line, you know, first you got to look at they didn't bring back Jadavian Clowney, although he is still a free agent. Um, and they also have issues at linebacker. Uh, you know, looking at last season, the Seahawks were 30th in sack rate and pressure rate. And they're essentially, you know, replacing Clowney with you got Bruce Irvin, who's old and washed up at this point, and a guy named Benson Mayoa. I, I don't even have a clue who he is. <laughs> uh, but, <laughs> well, yeah, he's still a screw. <laughs> but to me, I feel like going after a superstar like Jamal Adams, you know, that big name is kind of like a distraction to mask the other weaknesses. But, you know, if you look at Seattle last season, a lot of people that get caught up on, you know, week 17, they only lost to us by like two inches and they could have won the NFC West. But if you look at the Seattle Seahawks all of last season, they only outscored their points all season, this 16 games, by a total of seven points. Like, that's crazy. And they were 9-2 in games decided by seven points or less. Mind you, two of those games, the opposing team missed the game-winning field goal. Uh, so, you know, teams like that who usually have slim margins, they're always due for a decline, you know, the following season. And I just don't really see how Jamal Adams can really, you know, keep that from happening. And then not to mention, they got an easy matchup in the playoffs with the Eagles. And we know that they were littered with injuries, you know, namely a receiver. Um you know, Russell Wilson, like I said, he's mastered weaknesses for so long. But, you know, at some point it has to rear his head. Um, and then, like I said, I don't think they're the favorites because you still have, you know, my team, the 49ers. You know, just being realistic, they have a better roster from top to bottom uh, and more depth. And, you know, like I said, the Seahawks' weaknesses are O-line and D-line. Looking at us, you know, I – Two of our biggest strengths is our O-line and D-line. And then not to mention week 17, we abused their linebackers. So, like I said, Jamal Adams is a great player, but I just don't think this really makes a difference. You know, I'm, I'm, I'm going to go ahead. I didn't – I'm just going to go ahead and tell you I didn't – I didn't – you know, I'm going to surprise you. So, you, you thought I was – you thought – I'm pretty sure I know what direction you thought I was going with, and I, I'm right along with you. I don't think he makes them a favorite either. Uh, like you said, from top to bottom, y'all have a better roster. Uh, you're pretty much better in every position. You know, I mean, obviously, you know, Russell Wilson is better than Jimmy G, of course. Uh, I, mean, I would say, you know, Fred, I mean, I would say that, you know, the 49ers as a unit is better at linebacker than, you know, Seattle. But Seattle has the best linebacker out of the, you know, out of the group in Bobby Wagner, of course. Uh, your safeties are pretty good, you know and Jimmy Ward and Joukowsky Tart. You know, you got Richard Sherman, who's still one of the best in the game. Uh, but, I mean, just looking at Seattle, like I said last year, they were 11-5. and five. They were second in the NFC West. Uh, Bobby Wagner led the team in tackles. He was second in sacks uh, with only three. And uh, he was tired for – he was third in, in tackles for a loss with eight. You know, they didn't have a guy with more than three, three. and a half. Yeah. They didn't have a guy with more than three and a half sacks. <laughs> they only had 28 sacks as a team last year. <laughs> Jadavion Clowney and you know him and Bobby Wagner both had three sacks and I think one of the interior linemen Quentin Jefferson I think he had three and a half sacks he was the team leader in sacks and uh, KJ Wright and safety Quandre Diggs 
they led the team in interceptions with three apiece. Uh, the defense, they didn't do well against the run last year either. Uh, they ranked 22nd in points uh, allowed and 26th in yards allowed. The defense also finished 22nd in worst in rush yards, rushing touchdowns, and yards per attempt uh, on the defensive side. They allowed 4.9 yards in rush attempt. That's terrible. Uh, but against the pass, they were better against the pass. Uh, they were fifth in passes, touchdown passes allowed, and they were fifth in interceptions. Uh, but they were 27th in total yards allowed. So, you know, you got a little give and take there. I think when you look at Jamal Adams, what he does, he's definitely going to help out the run game, uh, as we can see. You know, uh, you you you're gonna you're gonna want to use Jamal Adams how they use Cam Chancellor, which he's he's not as big as Cam Chancellor, but he has some of the same skill set and some of the same capabilities. He's he's a he's a baller. He's a football player. You just you know you just put him near the ball and he's gonna make plays. That's what he does. You know, in terms of pass defense, he's not gonna give you much in terms of interceptions per se because he only has two in his career. So you know, and he has you know a solid amount of pass deflections. He has 25 in his first three years. But, I mean, if you want to just look at his career numbers, he has 273 total tackles, 28 tackles for a loss, 12 sacks, uh, including six last year, 25 pass deflections, six forced fumbles, two interceptions, and 23 quarterback hits. Uh, so he does, you know, he literally does everything on the field. And, you know, if you want to even want to look at him in pass coverage, uh, in the last two seasons, he's gave up 592 yards and three touchdowns in coverage on 98 attempts. And then if you want to look at it, the completion percentages way, it's 55%, which is well below the league average. It's only 10 yards of completion. He's only giving up five yards to target, six yards per pass attempt, and with a 74.9 passer rating, which, which is well below average. So that's telling you that he is, regardless of what, you know, what people try to label him as, as a box safety, that's not the case. You know, when it's time to get in coverage, you know, he can do his thing. You know, he can cover tight ends. Of course, he can cover running backs. He can cover some receivers. So, Jamal Adams does a little bit of everything. I think he's definitely going to help out on that end. You know, they got some talent in the back end. Uh, you know, they got Quandre Diggs, which I said, top for the team league interceptions. They added uh, they added another corner through the free agency. Uh, I forget, I forgot his name for some reason. If you're talking about Quentin Dunbar, he in jail. <laughs> yeah, Quentin Dunbar. And, was, you know, honestly, Quentin, Quentin Dunbar has been, you know, he's been pretty good these last couple of years. He was definitely going to help. They have Shaquille Griffin. They have Quentin Flowers uh, from uh, – Flowers, he's a yeah, he's a taller he's a taller corner you know I like those tall long corners and you know so they have a, they have a pretty decent you know defensive backfield like I said pass rush is the big thing you know if you can't rush the passer then it's gonna be harder to defend uh, in terms of pass coverage and like all they have is you know Benton Mayoa they lost Jadavian Clowney and uh, Ziggy Ansa. They replaced them with Daryl Taylor Bruce Irvin you know they got Quinn Jefferson on the interior Puna Ford. Jaron Reed, but those guys, you know, just be honest with you, they aren't real game changers. I know Jaron Reed had 10 sacks a couple years ago, but I think that was more of a contract thing versus just a thing that's, that's him every year. So I think it's going to be hard to replace, you know, the sack production. That, well, not it wasn't sack production really much at all last year. They need to find a way to get an uptick in pass, you know, in pass rush. Uh, I'm 40 sacks would be, you know, a great number for them. But I don't know where it's going to come from, to be completely honest with you, unless they try to bring Jadavian Clowney back. But even then, he does, he hasn't even registered a 10-sack season in his career. He's extremely disruptive. But, you know, in terms of just, like, getting to the quarterback, you know, for sacks, is that he's not that guy, which is what they thought he would be coming out of college. And if you want to look at what they lost in terms of Bradley McDougal, 
Uh, he has four seasons with multiple interceptions and 70-plus tackles, which is pretty good. I think he's an average starter at safety. Uh, you know, if you want to look at the last – he doesn't provide much in terms of, you know, getting to the quarterback. He has only a half a sack and uh, three quarterback hits in seven years in the NFL. And he only has 13 career tackles for a loss. So, you know, he, he pretty much plays a lot, you know, as a single high, uh, like Earl Thomas did for Seattle back in the day. Uh, but I think, you know, last year, last couple of years in coverage, he's given up uh, 891 yards, which, which is considerably more than Jamal Adams and five touchdowns. But he also has five interceptions. So, you know, give and take there, uh, you know, and he's allowing 65% of the passes to be completed his way. Uh, for seven and a half yards of target and 7.6 yards per attempt. And the passer rating is slightly below average. So, you know, you're giving up something in pretty much every facet of the game when you trade Bradley McDougal. When you when you get rid of Bradley McDougal and bring in Jamal Adams, you're bringing in something extra, you know, sacks, you know, tackles for a loss. You know what I'm saying? The run game is going to get better. And, you know, and then he's going to get – they're going to get better on the back end. So, I don't think they really gave up too much. Uh, you know, one thing I've learned in my time watching football is that, you know, Teams with like Seattle, their first their the first round picks aren't going to be high picks anyway, unless you know Russell Wilson gets hurt. Those those picks are going to be in the twenties to you know low twenties or whatever. So you know in the third round pick, you know hit or miss is pretty is, is pretty much hit or miss. So I don't think they, I think you know the trade was pretty. I would say it was pretty equal. Uh, I don't know. I I think honestly the Jets probably got the better end of this trade. For one, you know, I get, you know, well, I don't really get it, but probably from the Seahawks' point of view, they're thinking, you know, one, you got the 49ers, you know, their run game. Then you need somebody who can guard George Kittle uh, up the middle. Then, you know, looking at the Rams, you know, clearly they're not as good as they were two years ago, but, you know, they were just in the Super Bowl not too long ago. And Sean McVay is one of the better offensive play callers, you know, in the league. And they still have a few weapons themselves. And then a lot of people sleeping on the Cardinals, you know. They got substantially better this offseason. You know, you got Kyler Murray coming back year two. Had a pretty solid rookie season. Uh, DeAndre Hopkins, easily top two or three receiver in the league. Uh, you know, they got him down there this year to pair with Larry Fitzgerald and some of those other guys. Uh, but, you know, I just don't really see how he moves the needle. And then looking at two, giving up two first-round picks, um, not only that, but you're also about to have to make him the highest-paid safety in the league. And, you know, just looking at, you know, how teams who've done that recently, you know, you got the Bears who traded for Khalil Mack. They had one good year, and then ever since that, they've, you know, slowly declined. Uh, the Rams, past few seasons, they've gave away some big draft picks for star players. You see how they've regressed over the past few seasons. And, you know, the money that they're going to put towards Jamal Adams, that could be used, you know, O-line and D-line like we talked about already, or, you know, even linebackers. So I just feel like, you know, on paper it looks good, and it, you know, will definitely get them back in the playoffs next year. But – you know, in a few years or so, this move could, you know, possibly have some ramifications. And then, you know, like you said, they're used to picking in the late first round. All it takes, you know, God forbid, one injury to Russell Wilson, 
that's a top two or three draft pick first round. So, you know, you just never know with things like that. I do want to say, you know, like, I, I feel like this move was geared towards trying to compete with the 49ers. Uh, but I think, you know, Seattle has had some, like I said, they have had some losses. And, you know, in this next topic, uh, we're, I'm going to bring up one of the losses that they had, you know, over the last couple of days, which I think is going to be significant in the grand scheme of things. But, you know, you know, I think you have a better chance with Jamal Adams guarding George Kittle than you do with Brandon McDougal or Quandre Diggs. Yeah, I can't disagree with you on that. <clears throat> But, you know, like I said, considering what they're having to give up, and especially, you know, I think right now they got, what, like 17 mil in cap space. Jamal Adams probably at least going to want, you know, somewhere 15 to 17 million a year because that will make him the highest paid safety. Uh, so, you know, just looking at that, I feel like it's not really worth it ultimately. I, I probably give the Seahawks a C, honestly, on this trade. Well, I ain't really got too much else to add on that. We I pre, we pretty much covered all the bases on the topic. But we're sticking with the NFL here for our next topic. And, uh, you know, multiple players have opted out of the NFL season's restart. Well, not restart, but start uh, over health concerns because of COVID, of course. Uh, Quinn, do you think the NFL will make it through a full season this year? You know, man, I'm, I'm not too confident, you know, as of right now, the way things are looking. Uh, you know, first – I think last week we had rookies, QBs, and was it players with injuries, I believe, you know, reported to training camp, uh, and everybody else reported today. Um, but over the span of the offseason, uh, it's been reported that 101 players have tested positive uh, for COVID, and only, and or 21 have already tested positive just as of the tests that were administered today, I believe, if I'm not mistaken. Uh, but, you know, we've already had some notable players to opt out of the season. Uh, you know, the Patriots were probably, you know, hit the hardest. They had six starters, you know, notably linebacker Dante Hightower, uh, safety Patrick Chung, and their starting offensive guard Marcus Cannon. Uh, then the Buffalo Bills, their defensive lineman star Latulale, he opted out. Uh, the Vikings, they just acquired defensive lineman Michael Pierce, but he opted out. Uh, Bears defensive lineman Eddie Goldman opted out. You know, there's many others. Uh, but, you know, we saw the Twitter frenzy, was it about a week or so ago, where, you know, players were coming out and voicing their concerns, you know, over the league's lack of attention that they were giving to the players' health and safety, you know, in regards to the season's return. And, you know, looking at the NBA and NHL so far, both of them have had zero positive COVID tests during their competitions. Mind you, both of those leagues are operating inside of a bubble where, you know, you have players at one facility and, you know, they're not really allowed to go anywhere unless it's, you know, like a family emergency. Uh, but then on the flip side, the MLB, you know, they did cut their season to 60 games. But, you know, there really haven't been other restrictions because they've still been traveling from city to city just like normal. And, you know, just yesterday or day before yesterday, uh, the Miami Marlins had 15 players along with two coaches who tested positive uh, for COVID. 
And, you know, as of now, they postpone games for the Marlins as well as their opponents until next Sunday. Uh, so, you know, at this point, only thing we've seen from the NFL, they're still allowing fans, you know, albeit wearing masks, uh, and they've trimmed the preseason from four games to just two. Uh, but I feel like, you know, the NFL, first you have exponentially larger rosters. You got like a, what, 70 to 80-man roster, I believe, because they're, you know, allowing extras for COVID. Uh, you have larger coaching staffs, larger medical staffs, and that's not even including, you know, the personnel it takes on game day to, you know, just carry out the regular game day functions. Uh, so, at this point, end of July, we're only about a, a month away from when the league's supposed to start. And, you know, with nothing really in place, time is running out. And I feel like, you know, now the NFL is under an immense amount of pressure uh, to get something done. So, you know, taking that into consideration, I'm not confident that they could, you know, carry out a full 17-week season. I, pr I pretty much agree with all the points that you just made. I think, you know, I'm a little bit more concerned than I was initially because, you know, I figured the NFL had a plan. And it seems as if they don't really have a plan. I think they're just trying to go with things, you know, just go, kind of go with the flow. I mean, I'm pretty sure, of course, um, I'm pretty sure that, uh, you know, I think I saw somewhere a couple of weeks ago where they had like a – it was a document that was talking about some protocols, but I haven't heard anything else from that. And uh, 25 players have opted out since July 24th. And like you mentioned, some notable players uh, included Dante Hightower, Devin Funches, Marquise Goodwin, Starla Tulele, uh, Michael Pierce, and uh, you know, Goodwin, Funches, and Michael and uh, Michael Pierce are on all are on new teams. Uh, the Patriots, Seahawks, and the Chiefs all lost starters. Uh, the Chiefs lost starting guard uh, Laurent Duverde Tardif. Uh, he's actually a medical doctor, and he said he's deciding to you know fight COVID on the front lines uh, in terms of, you know, the medical field versus, you know, playing football. I guess he said, you know, he would much rather catch COVID. If he was going to catch COVID, he'd much rather catch it while trying to help out versus playing football and catching COVID, which I understand. Uh, the Seahawks starting guard, uh, Chance Warmack, he opted out too. So that's going to hurt Seattle. Their offensive line already hasn't been great. So that's definitely going to hurt. And the Patriots, like you said, lost several starters. Dante Hightower being, you know, the main one. Dante Hightower is, you know, the stalwart of their defense. He's the rock. You know, he's been been everything that Bill Belichick has wanted from the start. And, you know, Patrick Chung has been a long-time starter there. They lost Marcus Cannon, who's a starting – you know, he's been a long-time starter there as well. So that's, that's definitely going to hurt, you know, New England. Uh, but I think, you know, I'm not I'm not too optimistic right now uh, in terms of the season, us having the season. Because I want to know, are more players going to decide to opt out? I know today, you know, DeMarcus Lawrence of the Dallas Cowboys, he decided to come after originally it was reported that he might opt out. So he decided to come. You know, there's been some other guys. So it's kind of like, you know, what happens when, you know, a guy tests positive? So what do you do then? And I don't think that question has been answered. And so, like, say for instance, multiple people get it. And what do you do? Do you stop? training camp for a week or so. And like you said, the season starts next month. Towards the end of next month, that's when the season going to start. So, you know, you ain't really got much time. You don't have time to be missing a week or two because of positive COVID tests. And like you said, it's an exponentially – you know, I know I saw people talking about a possible NFL bubble, but it's a 
is far more people. You're looking at right now training cap rosters. I think are at eighty. I want to say it was supposed to be ninety, but it got reduced. So looking at eighty players, probably about twenty to twenty-five coaches. You got you know uh, the training staff. And you got, like I said, day-to-day operations. You got those people. So you're looking at it roughly, you know, 130, 150 people, and it's 32 teams. So you're looking at, you know, three, 4,000 people there. And, you know, where would you – where would they even go? Where would they even have a bubble that big at? You know, I would have thought the best place for that would have been, you know, ESPN Studios uh, in Orlando, Florida, where the NBA currently is. But, listen, the NBA is there, so you're not going to put two leagues there. So, I, you know, I don't know what the NFL is going to do. Uh, but like you said, it's all about the money. Uh, now I saw something where you know the players were going to try to demand that that the owners also be with them, be there with them, because I feel like the owners are like, you know, we're not going to be there anyway. So you know, y'all go ahead and play. We're not going to be with y'all anyway. Now players are like, nah, if we're going to do it, then y'all got to do it too. You know, I think one thing worth mentioning is that you know when players opt out, um, they receive one hundred and fifty thousand dollars, if I'm not mistaken. And uh, players that are considered higher risk uh, get three hundred thousand. So Marcus Cannon, who's a cancer survivor, uh, he's getting three hundred thousand this year, and I think the rest of those guys are getting one hundred and fifty. So you know, all of those guys have you know pretty decent salary, have pretty good salaries. Uh, I think maybe of the guys we mentioned, I think maybe Marquise Goodwin may be the, the may have the lowest salary. I know Dante Hightower is making about eight million dollars a year. Uh, I know Stardo Tulele is, I think he's getting uh, uh, eight figures. So, you know, I think all those guys are pretty well paid. So, as you know, it's just like, you know, hey, those guys are, you know, they're thinking more safety over money, and I understand. And, you know, with Dante Hightower, who just opted out today, he just welcomed a child, his first child in the world a couple weeks ago. Not, not a couple weeks ago, just like last week, I think, or this week sometime. Uh, so <clears throat> I completely understand, you know, why he's decided to opt out. You know, you you haven't practiced. You're going with all those guys every day, and then you take that home to your baby. And God forbid something happens to your child. You know what I'm saying? So I think you know, Shannon Sharp mentioned. I heard him mention that he was like, if that was his, that was him, and he had a child or he had a grandparent or something like that, that was a high risk. He wouldn't play either, which it makes complete sense because I wouldn't play. You know, it's more to it's more to life than just football. You know, you got a life after football, and you know how would Dante Hightower feel if he took COVID home and his his child passed away you know they were hurt they, you know they were stick with him for a long time so i think those guys that are deciding to opt out they're making the best decision for them and their families and i applaud them for that no man for sure you made you made you know a lot of good points um and i wouldn't be surprised you know the next coming days or weeks to see you know more nfl players who choose to opt out because like you said there's life after football and you know more players are realizing that and, you know, they're starting to uh, take their off-field endeavors and, you know, their family more seriously. Um, but, you know, like I said, NFL doesn't really seem to have anything in place at this point. So I just don't really know how much you can trust them. And I, I really don't trust them at all, to be completely honest with you. You know, I think no. the NBA has – I think the NBA, especially the last four or five years – has always been more progressive, and they've listened to the players a lot more, and the players have a lot more power. And so, like, with NFLs, you know, it's all about their money. You know, they generate over $14 billion every year. You know, it's all about their money. So, you know, we'll see. Hopefully it's the NFL season because I, since I've been alive, there's always been an NFL season. I've always been used to watching, you know, all 17 weeks, including the playoffs. So, if that don't happen, I don't know what I'd do. 
don't know, man. I don't know what I do either, but you know, I definitely much rather the players be safe, you know. It's true. It's and be true. out there for our entertainment and you know our leisure. That's true. Uh, and I did yeah. see I did see a company that makes helmets. They made some type of mouth covering. Uh I saw that. Yeah, where players will still be able to breathe pretty easily, just cover like their lips and stuff like that. So, I mean, I don't, I don't even think I don't think guys would even wear that. To be completely honest. <laughs> I mean, like, it's <laughs> a, I mean, it's a nice idea, but they, I mean, they're probably not gonna do that. And they easily gonna slip the helmet off when they get to the sideline, and they definitely not trying to wear no mask on the sideline. Come on now, because you don't even have MLB and NBA and NHL players wearing them. So what makes you think an NFL player playing 60 minutes is going to do it? <laughs> Man. But, you know, let's, let's go ahead and move on to our next topic here. So, you know, we mentioned the NBA being in the bubble, and, you know, guys are allowed to leave for emergencies. So reportedly, uh, Lou Williams of the Los Angeles Clippers had a, fa- had a family emergency, so he left the bubble. And last Thursday night, uh, rapper Jack Harlow, uh, posted a picture of him and Lou Williams uh, in Magic City Gentleman's Club in Atlanta, Georgia. And uh, he was in there uh, apparently getting them some wings, some food. So, you know, they, the NBA found out, and uh, he has to quarantine for 10 days upon his return, and he's going to miss the first two sitting games uh, for the Los Angeles Clippers. So, Quinn, what are your thoughts on Lou Williams' situation? Magic City, man. <laughs> Uh well first before I get started, they need to cut him a check because I'm pretty sure now a bunch of people when they go to Atlanta are gonna be like, we gotta try Magic City Wings because they gotta be fine. Uh, but you know, I don't think it's as big of a deal, you know, as they tried to make it seem. I think you know a bunch of people are just fishing for a story that made a headline. Uh, you know, first, you know, Lou Will should have talked to Jack like, hey, dude, I'm not supposed to be here. You shouldn't be posting me on your story because he's supposed to be in the bubble. You know, mind you, he did leave for a funeral. Uh, But, you know, we take off work all the time for family issues. And, you know, I get we're in the pandemic. uh, But what more risk was he taking by going to get chicken wings than he was by being at the funeral? Like, he was going to have to quarantine regardless when he came back to the bubble. Uh, so, like I said, I think it just got blown out of proportion. Uh, and, you know, with his 10-day quarantine, I think that's, you know, it might be a little bit of a kind of suspension because Zion just came back to the bubble, what, like two, three days ago? And they already talking about him playing in Thursday night's opener. Yeah, it's only uh, four-day four quarantine for him. Yeah, so – literally less than half. Uh, But, you know, for Lou Williams, I mean, he's on the Clippers. Him missing two games isn't a big deal. And, I mean, you know, Clippers have always had the bigger picture in mind anyway. Uh, So, you know, if anything, it'll just allow guys like, you know, Reggie Jackson and Landry Shamit to build some confidence running the second unit. Uh, But, you know, I don't really think this is a big deal. I'm right with you there. I don't think it's a big deal either. Uh, I mean, of course, you know, it was kind of irresponsible. Was he wrong? Yeah, no, whatever. Yeah, you know, uh, but, you know, stuff happens. 
No. I definitely would have told Jack Harlow, you know, no posting. And, you know, he's a, he's about our age. So, you know, people our age love social media. I ain't going to lie. So, if I'm, seeing, yeah, if, I'm, so if, I, I mean, if I'm kicking it in Magic City with Lou Will, I'm, I'm probably going to post it, too. I'm just going to be real here. Uh, but, you know, and apparently, you know, I was going through his Twitter feed. And uh, apparently Lou Will, you know, he said that he tested, you know, he took tests pretty much every day while he was gone. So, I mean, if that's true, then who cares? You know what I'm saying? But, you know, they're always going to make a big deal out of something. And I think one thing was interesting is what Kendrick Perkins had to say. He said, it's just on his Twitter page, he said, it's disturbing when a rookie in Zion Williamson can act more mature than NBA vet Lou Williams. And Lou Will responded, 15 years in the business and the most dirt you have on my name is stopping to get hot wings during the pandemic. Perk, shut up. And stop laughing and saying it's just TV when you run into me too. <laughs> that was funny. That was real funny. And, you know, Perk, and of course, Perk responded on television saying, you know, it's his job and he's not going to be biased. But, I mean, I feel like that was that was uncalled for pretty much. Was, I mean, yeah. It was a little irresponsible, of course, you know. Shouldn't he shouldn't? I think he maybe he shouldn't have done it, but you know, everybody don't view things the same, and so you know, I don't really think it's that big of a deal. Like those two games aren't going to be life or death for the Clippers because they're currently in the two seed, so they'll be playing right now. If the playoffs started today, they, they would be playing the Dallas Mavericks, uh, and then I think if they're the, the third seed, they'd be playing the Oklahoma City Thunder, maybe if I'm not mistaken. Um. It might be, you know, the Rockets might be in sixth right now. Actually, ah, so they do. So at, you know, depending on how many games they're up on Denver in the three seed, I'd much rather play Dallas than than you know, than play the Rockets in the first round. <laughs> right. You know, I don't, I don't think those two games are going to be life or death for the Clippers. Like you said, they still got Landry Shamit. You know, they still got Reggie Jackson. Patrick Beverly came back. They're still missing Trez, and I think that would be more of a concern. I think he yeah. left the bubble. He left the bubble for a family emergency as well. So, you know, depending on when he comes back, I think that would definitely hurt. You know, them losing Trez and Will that'll definitely hurt. They still got PG, still got Kawhi, so you know they're they're, they're okay. Marcus Morris is still there, so they're, they're going to be okay. I, I, this is much this is much to do about nothing, really. Yeah, yeah, I completely agree with you. And I think, too, if I'm not mistaken, was it Charles Barkley or somebody said uh, Magic City doesn't even have dancers right now. So, you know, he was there to strictly get some wings. So we can't take his word for that, at least. He wasn't just there trying to, you know, look at some women. <laughs> even if it was dancers, bro, I don't I don't care. <laughs> Yeah, I'm pretty. I'm pretty sure when Zion was out of the bubble, he went somewhere to get food. Like, <laughs> I do, do want to say, if the food, if the food is as good as everybody says it is, you know, Shannon Sharp even said something. Taylor Rooks, uh, yeah, she even said something about the way food being good there. So next time I go to Atlanta, I'm definitely sliding by to get some wings. I told you they gotta cut Lou Will a check. Everybody here in the Magic City now, definitely. But man, Quinn, <laughs> let's move into our last topic. You know, you're a Chicago Wolves fan, so you know Coach Tom Thibodeau very well. Uh, you know, last week, the New York Knicks decided to hire Tom Thibodeau as their coach for the future. Quinn, is Coach Tibbs the right coach to turn the Knicks franchise around? Yeah, man. So, like you said, you know, as a Bulls fan, I've seen Coach Tibbs, you know, firsthand, positively and negatively. 
I do want it to be known. I still haven't forgiven him, forgiven him for running D Rose into the ground, but you know, that's a different subject for another day. <laughs> uh, but you know, Coach Tibbs, uh, coaching style, you know, he's an old school, hard nose. Uh, he's demanding, you know, he holds all of his players and, you know, his staff accountable. Uh, and we all know that he's, you know, defense before anything else. Uh, and, you know, if I had any negatives, like I said, runs players into the ground, you know, he takes practices during the season very seriously. And, you know, he uh, wears on players. And, you know, over the season, they're tired by the time it's playoff time. Uh, and like I said, for as great as he is as a defensive coach, uh, he doesn't really bring anything to the table offensively. Uh, but, you know, you can't deny his resume. Everywhere he's been uh, as a head coach, he's turned things around and built a culture. In uh, his seven and a half years as a head coach, he's only missed the playoffs once uh, that half year was when he was, uh, you know, let go by the Timberwolves halfway through the 18-19 season. Uh, but, you know, before he took over for us in Chicago, since MJ's last chip in the 98 finals, we had only made the playoffs five of 12 years before that. Um, and then looking at the Timberwolves, before he was in town, they had the longest playoff drought in the league, I believe, at 13 years. Um, and, you know, he, he's also developed some players, you know. Jimmy Butler, uh, 30th overall pick first round. Under Coach Thibodeau, he became an all-star. Uh, and, you know, Cat, he was viewed as soft. But, you know, after Coach Tibbs was there for a little bit, Cat is pretty legit now, you know, on both ends of the floor. He's about to walk in 25 and 10 every night. Uh, but, you know, he stated that New York, you know, being there was his dream job. You know, he was an assistant coach there for seven years, I believe, from like 96 to 03. Uh, but, you know, he could be the right fit for the job, which coaching-wise I think he is. Uh, but I think the biggest obstacle with New York is still ownership. You know, as long as James Dolan's still the owner of the team, I, you know, I just don't see this team really making much progress. Uh, which, I mean, they can if he's the owner, but, you know, that's going to require him taking a step back, uh, at least putting his ego to the side. But, I mean, even for marquee free agents, I don't think really anybody's going to want to play for an owner like James Dolan. Because, like, look at Giannis coming out 2021. I don't think the Knicks are going to be at the top of his list. Uh, so, like I said, He's a great coach. Uh, I think he'll definitely do some things with the team. But like I said, they won't really make any noise until James Dolan is gone. You know, I'm I'm kind of torn on this one. Because, you know, I think Tim, Tibbs is best with veteran teams. And the Knicks is anything but a veteran team. Uh, they got a few veterans. You know, they got Taj Gibson. You know, they got Julius Randle, who's still relatively young. And they got some more guys, but you know, he's he has a fifty-eight percent career win percentage in the regular season. It's forty-three percent in the playoffs. He's been to one conference finals. He's the coach of the year. Uh, he's the elite defensive coach, like you mentioned. Uh, you know, 
you know, he has a history of being harder on his players, you know, working them a little more, especially his best players. And, you know, he mentioned – I saw in an interview he said, you know, a few years ago you had your wings and those guys were playing 38, 39 minutes a night, and now that just doesn't happen. Uh, so, you know, I want to know, like, how will his practice philosophy be? That's one of the questions I have. You know, does he have the type of players that he needs to, you know, be effective in his system currently? And, you know, what is the draft plan for the Knicks? Because, you know, you got a new coach coming in. It could be a new draft plan. So, you know, how 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 is that going to go? And like you said, James Dolan is one of the worst owners I've ever seen. I think he's the sole reason the Knicks franchise is how it is. Uh, he needs to let go of the team, go on about his business, because, you know, I don't think they'll ever win anything, excuse me, uh, with him leading the way. But, I mean, Tibbs is a great coach. Everybody knows this. Uh, he can wear on his players a little bit, like we both mentioned earlier, and those are young guys. But, you know, hopefully they can, you know, they can take his coaching style. He may have changed, uh, you know. You know, his last time he coached was 2018, 2019. So it's been, you know, it'll be a couple years, you know, this year. It'll be two seasons since he's coached. Uh, so, you know, it remains to be seen. I don't really know. Yeah. Uh, which, I mean, you know, I think he does go best with veteran players. But, I mean, you know, even with the Bulls, when we had our 60-win season, uh, D. Rose was maybe like, what, 21, 22? I think, yeah, uh, uh, 23. Jimmy 22. Butler was maybe like a rookie. Uh, and I, Jakeem Noah was probably no older than like 23, 24 either. But we did, you know, have guys like Lou Alding. You mentioned Taj Gibson. Carlos uh, Boozer. Yeah, Carlos Boozer. We had veterans all over yeah. the place. Uh, but, yeah, like you said, they're not – I probably put James Dolan right with Dan Snyder. Uh, just two completely dysfunctional owners. For those that don't know, Dan Snyder is the owner of the Washington football team. Uh, <laughs> but, man, I don't know. Like I said, they're not going anywhere until he's gone. But I don't know. I feel like by Coach Tibbs being out of the league for, you know, about a year and a half now, you know, I think he's maybe had some time to look in the mirror at his weaknesses and be like, man, you know, I really shouldn't go this hard in practices on a Tuesday night in the middle of January. <laughs> like, you know, rest up a little bit for the playoffs. You know, you got to think bigger picture. Because I think if it weren't for that, uh, at least that first year when we were the one seed, I think the Bulls could have beat the Miami Heat big three. The year they lost to the Mavericks, I think we could have beat them that year. Uh, but, I mean, I feel like, while he is a good fit, you got guys like Mark Jackson. I think he would have been a great fit in New York. Uh, I think it's about time for him to be a head coach again. Past uh, time. Uh, yeah, definitely past time. Uh, and if you need somebody to ask, Stephen Clay can vouch for him at Golden State. Um, Ty Lu, you know, he was the coach for LeBron and the Cavs when they went to the championship in 2016. I think it's about time uh, for him to be a head coach again. Uh, but, you know, while he was a good replacement, I just think there could have been better fits. But uh, I still think he can turn things around. Just give him some time. Definitely. Man, Quinn, anything else you want to add? Uh, just, you know, shout out to our listeners for still sticking with us. We appreciate, you know, the support. Keep riding with us. 
Yeah, I want to, you know, I want to add, like you said, thank y'all for continuing to support us. Uh, like I said, you know, follow us on our social media accounts, uh, you know, and also, you know, Black Lives Matter as always, and uh, arrest the cops that killed Breonna Taylor. That's pretty much it. Yes, sir. Well, listen, that's all we got for y'all today. Like I said, we want to continue to thank y'all for rocking with us episode in and episode out. And uh, we thank y'all for tuning in for episode 19 of the First and Foremost Sports Podcast. Like I said, don't forget to follow us on Twitter, uh, Facebook, Instagram. You know, I'm pretty sure y'all got our personal uh, social media accounts. Don't be afraid to hit us up. You know, have a discussion with us. Throw topics out there. We know we all we're all ears. So, you know, like I said, thank y'all. I'm the natural Jimmy Covington. I'm the one and only Quentin Douglas. All right, thank y'all. We out.